Welcome to the Fancy Draft Podcast. I'm Casey Cholick, here with Brandon Summers, Matt Lash, Chase Thurston. As we get ready for week six, just a quick uh, thoughts and prayers and positive vibes to Dak Prescott. Uh, very nasty injury. Gordon Hayward-like. Gordon Hayward-like injury against the Giants. I mean, he could co- he, obviously he can come back from it. A lot of people come back from worse. Alan Hearns, his career hasn't been the same, but Dak Prescott is no Alan Hearns. Uh, you know, he's loved and cherished by the Jones family. He's going to be brought back definitely, but the questions are, what's next for Dallas with uh, Andy Dalton now starting? Yeah, and I, I said it before, but I definitely don't think uh, the Cowboys' record at this point in the season reflects the level of effort Dak has been putting into the season. Um, Dak was on track for some tremendous numbers um, in, in terms of yardage. Uh, well, I think he's already got, what, 1,800-something yeah, yards he was on track on for like 6,000 yards yeah. or something. Um, and, and I I feel bad for not only him, but I feel bad for the Cowboys because I think without him their troubles are only going to get worse. I don't think, I mean, I think Dalton's a good uh, substitute, I guess, but I don't think it's going to solve any problems for the Cowboys. And we'll get into where where we think Andy Dalton should sit as far as rankings go for quarterbacks this week here in a little bit. Um, but, but like Chase said, he's no Dak Prescott. Um, it's going to take some time for that offense to, you know, click and find their stride with a new quarterback. Um, and so... You know, everyone would assume that Ezekiel Elliott is going to get the ball more than he had been, which is great for those owners. Um, but also, Patrick Peterson came out on the Colin Coward show and said that they're going to they're going to force Andy Dalton to make the plays to win their game. They're going to try and do all they can to shut down Zeke, um, knowing that same game plan that we all assume. So, yeah, you're going to have Dak missing six months on a good side. Some say four months, and I don't believe it. They're saying, oh, he can come back for the playoffs, but that's definitely 99% chance not going to happen. That's going to require the Cowboys to actually make the playoffs. We know the, NFC, we know the NFC East is one of those rocky, he could have a horrible record and still make it. There's still a lot of football left, so we don't even know if the Cowboys are actually even going to make it. I don't know if that conference is going to make it. <laughs> I do believe Jerry Jones said after um, Dak got out of surgery right away Sunday night after the injury, he came out and said early this week that he expects him back um, with the team doing workouts late off season and expects him to be you know back to full capacity by the beginning of next season, which is a really good sign. I'm, I think with Andy Dalton, um, you know, he's he's coming into a situation a lot better than what he had before. You know, it's not like he's in Cincinnati where the offensive line just isn't there. A.J. Green's hurt. The wide receiver core is just not good. He's in a situation where has a top-notch offensive line, has always been top-notch, and he has arguably one of the best receiver cores in the NFL. I can see Andy Dalton just exploding and having a good year for a backup QB. Yeah, Andy Dalton... You know, his first five seasons, he had 10-plus wins every single season with Cincinnati there. Uh, he did have a lot more weapons and a lot more things. Um, and one thing to note, 
sometimes when these guys are thrown into into this situation like Andy Dalton is, it, it's either going to be you know a career positive or a career negative. So you look at Teddy Bridgewater a year or two ago when Drew Brees got hurt, right? And he came in, he went five and zero when Drew Brees was out. And so that basically reopened his career, and now he's a franchise quarterback in Carolina. Teddy Bridgewater is now, you know, starting quarterback in Carolina after that, you know, situation that unfolded in New Orleans. So this could be a situation where it kind of rejuvenates Andy Dalton's career, even though he's a, a seasoned veteran. Yeah, and talking about injured quarterbacks, we can can't go without talking about Alex Smith getting uh, snaps in last week with the Washington football team. <laughs> Had had memes for days comparing it to Avengers Infinity War. You know, a leg for a leg. Lost that, and we got Alex Smith all on the same day. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> I, I think no matter... I, I think no matter what happens the rest of the season, as long as Alex Smith is healthy, I can see him being comeback player of the year. Yeah, without a doubt. Can't wait for him to be Washington's savior because uh, they're also in that NFC East uh, situation of we all play bad. I think the problem in Washington right now is more of an offensive line problem. You know, they allowed Alex Smith to come in and get sacked, what, four times? Yeah, in two drives or something in, like that. Yeah, in two drives. And then, you know, they lost Kyle Allen early to that helmet to helmet hit. I mean, he's now cleared to play for week six, but, you know, it's a problem with the offensive line. If Alex Smith can come in and avoid many sacks, I don't see why Washington can't win the division and him win comeback player of the year. Yeah, and I don't think uh, Alex Smith coming back, I don't think anyone expected him to make a, a real huge difference in the way Washington's been playing. Um, but I think most people, especially you know, around the time and soon after his injury, never th- thought he'd never play football again. They thought he was done. And to see him on the field at all is, uh, I think, a remarkable achievement f- for him. And um, I-, I definitely think he's right up there for comeback player of the year, too. It would be nice for him to kind of ride off uh, and end his career in one, in one go with Washington. Um, him to actually be able to come back and show that he can still play after being out for two years with that injury. And, you know, kind of going off the ending of the career, Brandon, you said that Drew Brees was washed. I still think he's washed. He had a pretty decent game against the Chargers on Monday. Yeah, 70% completion rating, 33 completed passes, 300-plus yards. And that's with That's washed? 6.9 yards per pass. That's without Michael Thomas. You're right, but Michael Thomas is doing stupid things and getting himself benched apparently because he likes to punch people. That's all valid. <laughs> take out, take out your Packers bias for Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Is Drew Brees a Hall of Fame quarterback? Yes. Is Drew Brees a top eight quarterback in the league right now? Top eight. I could, I would say he's top ten. I'll give him top 10, but I won't give him top 8. So you think he's the ninth or 10th best quarterback in this league right now? Name 9 better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Aaron Rodgers. Shock. That's uh, your number 1, Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love. Oh. <laughs> Stop. All right, I'm done wow. with that one. Okay. You know what? He could be top 8 then. I just don't know. I, I'm not convinced 
as much as he is he, the I'll, I'll quintessential of consistency, um, I still cannot be convinced that he is still at an elite level. Uh, I'm not going to agree that he's washed or that he can't play at an elite level, but I think it's clear to everyone that he is aging and that he's, his sparks are fewer and farther in between. Um, and I think uh, he's not playing bad by any means. I mean, I, I, if I had him on a fantasy team, I'd still be you know pleased with his performance this year. But um, I think he's definitely definitely getting old. He's definitely on his way out. And I don't think we're going to see you know some some magical run by him to end his career. I think he's going to perform at a decent level and then retire with the Saints. He's going to stay consistent. Yeah. So say it is time to kind of start thinking about the future and move on from Drew Brees. Is this going to be the year where they pick up a quarterback in the offseason? Get somebody younger? Because Taysom Hill is, you know, upper 30s. And he's shown numerous times this year already that he is not the quarterback of the future for the Saints. He's not going to be the next Drew Brees. Why don't they just pick up Tom Brady? <laughs> he wants to go there anyway. Uh, he likes throwing touchdown passes to the Saints when they play. Yeah. <laughs> but Just to prove a point. <laughs> I, think, I think that this would be the draft to do it. Because you have, what, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, if he's actually going to be the next level quarterback that analysts are thinking that he's going to be. I think there may be a draft to do it, to pick somebody young. Well, speaking of potential quarterback drafts, how about the Atlanta Falcons situation that unfolded in the last week? Did you need a head coach? Did you need a GM? <laughs> I mean, 0-5, we shouldn't have been surprised. Um, we'll get to the Jets here in a second. That's my favorite that's topic. Because that's a whole new can of worms. But 0-5, I mean, you're not going to keep your, your job as a coach or even a GM for long if you keep losing. So what, uh, what do you guys think Matt Ryan's outlook is? There have already been connections of sending Matt Ryan to the Bears. Yikes. I don't want that. Uh, I want a quarterback that can actually consistently win football games and not just choke it out in the fourth quarter. Uh, we already don't have a quarterback that can win right now anyway, but Matt Ryan would not be solving the problem. We'd just be getting rid of good resources to bring in somebody that's going to be the same problem over and over and over again for more money. Um, but I do think for the Falcons, it is probably time to move on past Matt Ryan and potentially even Julio. I think it's time to move your assets when you can and start focusing on rebuilding. I don't know if I'm all on board with a rebuild. Um, you know, Matt Ryan is playing mediocre football this year so far. You know, 0-5 speaks for itself. They, In my opinion, they have a probably a top 10 receiving core. Um, I mean, it's not elite. It's not a top 3 offense, but... A top ten receiving core in, in Julio. Healthy. In, exactly, that's the problem, you know. And Julio hasn't played in two weeks now. Calvin Ridley's been out uh, probably a total of a week, a week and a half of game. Um, you know, Russell Gage is questionable even now, um, and so that leaves Todd Gurley to do all of their offensive work. 
And granted, he's having a, one of his best career or one of his best seasons of his career, which is great for him to have a little bit of a bounce back from a couple down years. But I mean, it, it does seem like it's Matt Ryan's fault. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's the he's the next piece to get removed from the Falcons. And I think short term we should address what happened with the Falcons today. So. Um, after several positive COVID tests, um, the Falcons have shut down their facilities, um, I think indefinitely. I don't think they've said really anything aside from that they're closed. Um, and I think that is very troubling for a team that's 0-5, especially when they're going, their opponent this week was going to be the 1-4 Vikings. We're coming off a devastating loss to was the Seahawks. Was it devastating, though? That was or did a, you guys I, just I, throw it? That was a great they, game. They, oh, they, they totally threw it. <laughs> They totally threw it, but it's still devastating to be ahead most of the game and then and then just get trashed at the end. That's normally that's a, how the Vikings that's, that's, work. Yeah, that's, that's how a, the Vikings play. I but I think yeah, I think so. um, I think the Falcons had every opportunity to get their first win this week against the Vikings, and if they're unable to play this week, I think that's going to further demoralize a team that's already deep in the hole, and I think it's going to mean big trouble for Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. I just want to say with the Falcons, and Todd, we talked about Todd Gurley. I do think that it is probably time with the hurt receiving core that we're going to see a lot more of Todd Gurley. Uh, against the Panthers, he had, what, 123 yards and a touchdown? It may be nice to pick up for a flex option in fantasy, but with, and that may be one of the only reliable ones as the rest of the team just seems to get hurt. It is also important to note that the positive COVID test this week as at least at the time of this recording, has only been uh, faculty and not players. So the game is still on for Sunday. I believe there's a game Sunday this week. But I do see that this is, that we're going to see some implications. We will find probably find out more about player tests within the next couple of days. Um, and... Hopefully things are still going to be good and we're going to see the Falcons start to look more like the Falcons now that Dan Quinn's out of the picture. Yeah. I want to take a step back and look at these uh, bad coaching and someone said the word the Jets and I'm going to jump on that topic. Uh, It's not Sam Darnold anymore. Uh, The Jets since drafting Sam Darnold when Sam Darnold is not playing is 0-7. It's not going to be Sam Darnold. Taking him out was not the answer last week. Um, and I think it's Adam Gase. I mean, I've been pretty big proponent of getting rid of Adam Gase as of before the season started, as I think a lot of uh, people in here and Jets fans are. Um, yeah, what are the thoughts on that? I do want to say that Sam, I've been a follower of Sam Darnold's career for a little while now. He's a talented quarterback. He has a lot of talent to potentially be good. The team around him is falling apart. When they did have Le'Veon Bell before he was released, they still couldn't do anything because it was poorly coached. Their offensive line just is not there, and that's ironic coming from a Bears fan. The defense is, most of them have opted out, and Adam Gase has this curse that follows him whenever he's a head coach anywhere. And then he leaves. The players that he leaves perform significantly better. Look at Fitzpatrick now with the Steelers. Having some of the best years of football that he has ever played. 
He got traded from the Dolphins. Now he's on the Steelers, and he is playing phenomenal football. Good old Ryan Tannehill. I think, uh, I think it's time to. He's playing great. Tannehill is playing great. I do think Tannehill is slightly overrated, but we can get we can talk about that at a later time. He gets wins. That's all that matters. At a later time. (laughs) At a later time. (laughs) After the the news here on the Jets. I, I think that it's time to... I definitely think that it's time to rebuild. Uh, start from scratch. I think we even talked about it before. Poten- uh, last night. Potentially we even did. pack up and go somewhere else. I hear St. Louis is a good football town. <laughs> yeah, we were trying to figure out where we make a good fit for an NFL team. And it doesn't seem like there's many options left. But, it's not Des Moines. But that's true. Um, speaking of the... You know the the real unfortunate couple of seasons the Jets have had. They're they're now facing an even more, you know, pressing issue with Le'Veon Bell deciding. Well, I guess actually the Jets made the decision for him um, that they're going to be releasing Lev Bell from their their roster. I mean, actually, just a couple minutes before we started recording this podcast here on Thursday, he was picked up and signed by the Chiefs for a one year deal. So. Who uh, who wants to jump on that and talk about how that's going to impact Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and the Jets' potential run offense now, which is trash, but somebody has to step up. Um, I can speak more on the Jets. I was just going to say, um, I think the Jets uh, getting rid of Le'Veon Bell is a sign of bigger things to come. Um, this last week, the Jets were ranked consistently in almost every power rankings as the very bottom team in the league. Um, a lot of power rankings said, the Jets aren't playing, aren't doing anything right. Go Dolphins. <laughs> um, and so I think I'm doubtful that um, a Jets rebuild or the Jets having any type of successful season involves Gase. I don't think it involves Darnold. I'm doubtful that it involves much, if any, of their current roster. Jamison Crowder. That's her saving grace. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The possible exception of Crowder. <laughs> um, I, I think uh, the Jets are going to need multiple years to come back from something like this. And... And Gase is the next step in, in solving that problem. One question before we full-on move to Ed- Edwards Hilaire. I'll ask the question and then let somebody answer, and then I'll touch on Edwards Hilaire. Is it time to trade Sam Darnold? If you're talking about rebuild, you know you're going to get number one overall draft pick without poorly you're playing. Is it time to move on from Sam Darnold knowing you're going to get Trevor Lawrence? I think you trade that pick away. Honestly, if you can trade that number one pick for two first-round picks, well, now that's going to help your thing. Sam Darnold, he's going to be cheap because the Jets have made him cheap. They haven't allowed him to play to his potential. He's not going to get a big Dak Prescott contract. He's going to go ahead and sign for a low, maybe an $8 million a year contract, something like that, for a couple years, and they'll have a decent quarterback and then more draft capital that they can – actually used to help rebuild that team. I, I don't think trading away Darnold's going to accomplish anything for the Jets either. Um, I can't even begin to think who would want him based on what he's produced in New York. I don't know who would be willing to take that chance on him. And, you know, like you were saying earlier, Casey, he and Brandon even, he's not a bad quarterback. He's in a bad system with with bad management and bad weapons beside him that has made him look much worse than he is. But that reality is going to prove 
you know, some general managers in the NFL are going to either have to take that big risk that that's the fact, or they're going to have a tough reality that he's not as good as he could be and he, you know, all that. So I don't think trading him away is, is really the best option for the Jets, even if they're going to do a rebuild. They can start around him instead of starting from scratch. With Edwards Hilaire in the Le'Veon Bell situation, I think that this is going to be something that the Chiefs owners, the Chief, uh, Edwards Hilaire owners in fantasy are going to have to keep an eye on, knowing that Le'Veon is going to want a majority of those touches. And, you know, now he has a better offensive line. So I don't think Edwards Hilaire is going to see much play at all. Um, for the next couple of weeks, probably, for the next, Bell well, learns the playbook. Well, yeah, but later down, later down the stretch, I I don't know if, especially as we start approaching, you know, fantasy football playoffs, I don't know if he's, I, I honestly don't know if he's going to be worth starting at, you know, RB one, RB two, maybe a flex option, as kind of a flex back, but I don't, I don't know, I really have no idea. So if you're a Lev Bell owner now. Are you holding on to him, anticipating him being another RB2 flex option for the Chiefs? Because right now he's barely a barely an RB2 option as he is on the Jets. So you are you anticipating him, you know, staying the course and staying productive enough alongside Edwards Hilaire to potentially not lose any of that, you know, any of the points for your fantasy team? As a Lev Bell owner in fantasy, I can speak what I'm doing personally. Uh, initially, I dropped him early in the week. I dropped him, but I picked him back up when they when they, rele- when they announced they were going to release him. When they announced that they were going to release him, I released him, and then I picked him back up uh, today when you know news started coming out that he was looking mm-hmm. for at the Dolphins, Bills, Chiefs, and then inevitably signed with the Chiefs. Um, you know, now he's going to be in a system with a much better offensive line. He has a quarterback that he's not afraid to check down if needed to. He's going, I think he's going to have a better career in Kansas City. As much as I disagree with the sentiment of him saying he has a lot to prove and then going to a team that feels like he doesn't have anything to prove at all. He's just kind of coasting to a Super Bowl ring. But I feel like when it comes to fantasy Le'Veon might be a definite start, at least at flex, when he starts actually seeing touches. So, based off that, do you see Le'Veon Bell returning to his former glory like he was in Pittsburgh? Do you see him coming back to, you know, to being an RB1 within... Well, I guess I can't even ask that because he's only signing a one-year deal with Kansas City. So, do you see him sticking out and getting an, an extension after the season with Kansas City and then doing something else else with Clyde Edwards Hilaire? Or do you see him becoming a snake, getting his ring in, in Kansas City, and then finding a fit next year? Um, I think it I think you just gotta look at where he ended up going. I think he's going to go where the rings are, um, at this point. So I think it does depend on, like you said, if they win a ring this year, but I think if they win a ring he's more likely to stay. Because if the Kansas, if the Chiefs win a ring again this year, they, they've repeated, right? And if they can build off that for the next season, I mean, why not just keep I riding it while the, the while the game's good? Yeah. You know. I mean, what's he costing the Chiefs this year? Veteran minimum, million is. dollars, something like that, one point two. 
it's really just sucks for the Jets, but at the same time, I think it's good for the Jets because they said they've accepted that they're cutting their losses. I don't think that the Chiefs resign him after this year, not because of productivity or you know they win a Super Bowl, whatever. I don't think they can do it because they can't afford it. As of right now, they're projected to be over almost two million dollars in salary cap space, which is easily fixable. But you have to cut a lot of dead weight to even sign, you know, any free agents that you may want, be able to bring anybody back, and then, you know, any rookies as well, um, or current rookies or people that are finishing out their last year, their rookie contracts. These are. They have a lot of liabilities elsewhere. So I don't think Bell comes back straight up because they can't afford it. Yeah. Um, we're talking about KC right now. And it's kind of, now the more we talk about their cap space, it's more of a do or die year for them a little bit this year. Uh, just with who they have, Andy Reid and uh, the GM there in Kansas City will always uh, find a way to be competitive. But I think this is their really big year with um just the different amount of contracts that might be coming up. Um, but one thing, they lost to Las Vegas last week. It wasn't because of the running game. That's for sure. But Mahomes looked stoppable, which was an interesting thing. And that Las Vegas defense looked good. It looked darn good. I mean, the offense, Josh Jacobs came up, actually came alive in fantasy, scored over 20 points. After I think all it took was me saying he's a uh, fantasy bust. And he decided he wanted to come alive. In, in your defense there, he really was not doing anything until that almost pick six when he got a touch, when he finally started getting touchdowns. He had 34 yards to the first half. He did. So he, he Not ideal. Which is not ideal. So in your, to your defense, he didn't do anything until that third, fourth quarter. It's true. Um, and I don't think... Mahomes, like speaking on Mahomes, I don't think he had a terrible game by any means. Um, mm. But I think a lot of people, myself included, I know I've been guilty of this before, kind of viewed him last season and so far this season as kind of infallible, like kind of um, almost unbeatable, really. And um, I think it's notable that this is the first game in the NFL he's lost by more than eight points, which it was a, it was more like more than seven points. More than seven points. It was exactly eight points. Exactly. <laughs> so. Uh. You go. Oh, uh, something that I like to think of when you, you're thinking these elite quarterbacks, and I do it with Drew Brees all the time. Um, Aaron Rodgers just quoted, I think, Pat McAfee show a week or two ago. Off season for me is a career season for a different, a regular quarterback. Um, and you look at it with Aaron Rodgers, you're like, you expect the greatness from him. I am expecting greatness from Drew Brees, and I kind of see that maybe an off season, even though this season might not be an off season. We'll see. Uh, isn't his top of the line Hall of Fame season, and I think that's something you can apply to games, and that's a, what Mahomes' game was versus Las Vegas. And let's let's not beat around the bush. He's still having a potential MVP season. Mm-hmm. He did. He threw his first interception of the year on Week Five. He is now thrown for uh, like 15 touchdowns and one interception. So it's not like he's it's not like he's playing like. Eli Manning out there. Um, <laughs> He's no Jameis Winston. Exactly. He's not just throwing him away. 30-30. Um, he, you know, it's, it's Patrick Mahomes, you know, former MVP, Super Bowl champion. He's not going to take this loss to the Raiders lightly. 
Um, they're bouncing back against the Bills and then against the Broncos, which are both not great against the pass. So I expect 300 yards, three or four touchdowns in each of those games as you know as the Chiefs move to what six and one. The, the so I'll start. I'll talk about the Raiders, but first I want to say that the actual number for their projected cap room for next year. They are over seventeen million seven hundred sixty-four dollars and one hundred twenty-nine. The Chiefs are. The the Chiefs are, That's which is not the most. The Saints are going to be over eighty-two point two million. But Drew Brees is gone. Potentially, but you still have Kamara. You still have Michael because they Thomas. gave Kamara that big deal. They did. Uh, Worth it. But so I, I just want to correct my number that I said earlier. Fair enough. Um. But moving on to the Raiders, I don't know if it's necessarily that they were the they were a good team. They were the better team that day, and I think a lot of it had to do with familiarity. The Raiders know a lot of what Kansas City can do because they play them twice a year, and they always play them tough. They do. I think they've always come down to the fourth quarter in there. I think since Pat Mahomes has been there, <clears throat> I mean they just play them really tough. And John Gruden is building an offense that's supposed to run similar to the Kansas City offense. They have Henry Ruggs that's supposed to be that speed receiver like Tyree Tyree Kills, Kills. which is why uh, John Gruden and, you know, the GM there in in now Las Vegas uh, picked Ruggs over, say, even Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb. They knew what they were getting early Right, because that's what he did in college, nonstop. Yep. yep. And you don't want to go ahead and – I don't want to make too many comparisons between Travis Kelsey and uh, Waller, but he's Wall- starting Waller to – Waller's a top, like that. top three, I think, right now. Exactly. Yeah. He, he doesn't have the career yet, but he's that potential. I still say, in, in my personal opinion, it, it goes it goes Kittle, uh, Kittle, Kelsey, and then Waller with the type of season Waller has been having. Having Jason Witten there has done tremendous things for Waller. I think it's worth noting, though, that if you still have Waller in as your tight end, you might want to switch him out because he's got a bye week this week, so we won't get to see him take the field. Uh, this week, I was uh, uh, more than a little upset when I found that out because <laughs> hey, I have out Russ Wilson and Josh Jacobs. <laughs> Man, that's tough. Oof. Well, while we're talking about specific to this matchup fantasy implications, um, Nelson Aguilar... Um, has had a up and down career. He he did have a long touchdown bomb catch last week um, in this win against the Chiefs. I'm not gonna get too over overly hyped about him. Um, he ha- that's his first good game of the season, and it came on one 60 plus yard touchdown catch. So, you know, think of that as you will. You know, take it with a grain of salt. But I wouldn't buy in too much of the hype of you know signing him. I would in a heartbeat outside rugs over him. So don't don't buy into it too much. Most definitely rugs. But talking about fantasy replacements, uh, we're starting to hit the bye weeks now. Um, yeah, here in week six, we're without you know Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, uh, Tyler Lockett, Tyler Lockett, the Seattle offense. <laughs> Pretty much every everybody's good in Seattle. Seattle's on by. The Raiders are on by. Green Bay's on. Green Bay, Green was, Bay on was on by, on by last by week. Last week, you're right. Yep. So. Without Russ, you may be thinking, who can I start with fantasy? I would honestly say for quarterbacks to try to replace somebody like 
Russell Wilson or if you had him starting Derek Carr. Um, what are some options, do you think? Streamable options. Streamable options that you can probably pick up off of free agency over the waiver wire. Ryan Fitz magic. I've been hype on the Dolphins. They came off a huge win uh, versus the San Francisco 49ers last week. 43-17, to 17, I believe, was the score. Um, putting up major points. He's averaging uh, over 20 points a game right now. And the Dolphins are going in to face the Jets, which I feel like we've talked about enough, is supposedly the worst team in the NFL right now. And don't have the ability to take out. So you want Devontae Parker. Even Mike Gusecki might be something this week. Preston Williams is probably not a bad start if you're in a pinch. But yeah, Fitzmagic. He is definitely a quarterback you can usually pick up. And he would be definitely good, at least as a one-week in this matchup comparison. I know I picked up over the past couple weeks in one of my, in at least one of my four fantasy leagues this year. I picked up either Teddy Bridgewater or Andy Dalton. I don't know if Teddy B would be a good pick this week against Chicago, just because Chicago's major secondary have been playing pretty well, which is weird for me to say because I'm very critical on my Bears secondary. But Teddy B has always been a good option, especially now as we're starting to get into the bias to potentially just throw into your quarterback position and do well because he's just been dominating so far. And then Andy Dalton, we know, is going into a much better system. Hey, Matthew Stafford, the Lions are going up against the Jags this week. Jags don't have necessarily what anything to go, and Matt Stafford, he's going to be taken. Adrian Peterson, now questionable, uh, had an illness today. We don't know. They say it's not COVID-related, but uh, only time will tell. Uh, if he is going to be able to play. And if he's not playing, then that is definitely a pass-first offense. Especially with Galladay. Real quick, while we're talking about quarterbacks, let's let's remember back to last show. We were comparing Kirk Cousins to a couple potential um, quarterbacks as far as their, their matchup for Week 5. So I asked the question, would you start Kirk Cousins over a certain number of players? And we went through um, Deshaun Watson, Joe Burrow, and a couple others. And we... I think we were all pretty pretty close to accurate when we said Deshaun Watson would ball out. Kirk Cousins would have a little bit of a mid-tier game. A Kirk he had Cousins a, game? He, I mean, he did. He had, a, he had a good game for himself. I wouldn't say he had an elite game, but Deshaun Watson balled out um, and got the Texans that win like they needed. Um, I believe we chose Kirk Cousins over Joe Burrow. I know Chase did for sure, um, and that was correct. Joe Burrow really played horrendously. I mean, um, when you're sacked that many times. Again, exactly. I mean, he just got destroyed in that game, unfortunately, for them. But, um, And I think the last one that we talked about was Baker. Um, and Baker against the Colts put on a show, yeah. honestly. So um, we'll, we'll, see who, we'll see who we make those projections for this week here in a couple minutes. Yeah, some, I do want to say Joe Burrow. As much as I am high on Joe Burrow, I would not call him a fan, uh, starter replacement for this week. Uh, going against the Colts defense, number one in a lot, and especially the pass rush, which seems the seventy on pace for 70 sacks in a season. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals are not going to be the ones <laughs> you want the number one pass rush against. 
Yeah, and I, I, I would have to agree there. I think um, not only Burrow, but I would keep a close eye on anyone you have from the Bengals right now because I think for the first few weeks, people were trying to decide whether are the Bengals, is this really going to help them improve? Is this going to make a difference? Um, and they picked up a win, which is like, okay. But uh, the, the, the tremendous loss, the, the beating that they took on both sides of the ball this week, I think shows that uh, um, Burrow and Mixon are not the solution to their problems. Um, that they're, they're partial kind solution. Of, Eh. They're a band-aid. Yeah, they're they're a band-aid on like a, on like, a gash. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they've got a lot of work to go on that team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One good one, however, one good option though for uh, for receivers, you know, you're missing out on DK Metcalf or uh, Tyler Lockett or anybody else that you may have in your flex. T Higgins is probably a good flex option this week. It, yeah, they're against the Colts this week. However, T. Higgins has quickly stepped into that wide receiver 1-2 role that A.J. Green has been. Had been. Had been. <laughs> A.J. doesn't want to be part of the team. We've already gone over this. However, however, T. Higgins has been incredible. His fantasy numbers are, have may, may not have been spectacular or anything, but at least they're consistent. They And I can see... As the as weeks go on, that his numbers are only going to keep improving. Once Joe Burrow becomes a lot more familiar with his offense, a lot more familiar with how the NFL works, that he can't quite do the scrambles that he did in college, that is going to get him sacked a lot, like what happened in Baltimore. T. Higgins could be a viable fantasy option, especially for much needed bye weeks. Yeah, you know, and we talk about wide receivers. Uh, we just talked about Waller with the Las Vegas Raiders and uh, a fantasy waiver wire pickup that's been really popular this week um, and maybe even last week was Robert Tanyan. Uh, I feel like we might have talked about him a little bit last week, um, but he's definitely a tight end, uh, possibly even a starting tight end at this point with some of the more prominent tight ends taking a back seat this season, uh, not getting the points they need. There's a lot of busts all of a sudden that are in starting tight ends, and Robert Tanyan putting up a career day when Aaron Rodgers doesn't have too many targets, and now getting Devonte Adams back will take a little bit of those points away, but not too much. I do want to just point out that um, another option that you can even look at for fantasy this week is you know even the Jets running back. Now that you're not going to have Le'Veon Bell, that's going to demand so many snaps. Who's who's next in line? Uh, Give me ten seconds. I I'll find it. Honestly, I could not <laughs> tell you who's next in line behind Lev Bell's spot on the Jets. Who's been starting when Lev Bell was out? That's the, I think. Oh, it's Frank Gore. Yeah, throw Frank Gore. Hey, he'll probably give you ten points. Probably he's consistent. Be, he's more of a goal line back anyway. He so. has not scored more than six points this year. Yikes! However, now you're gonna have. More with t- Bella. More touches without Sam Darnold. And you're going to see a more consistent. And they're going to start playing against defenses that may not do well in the cold. And, you know, with a back like Frank Gore, you're not going to want to take hits from that for all four quarters. So I, I can see he can probably start doing well as we start moving towards more bye weeks. Yeah, previous third string was rookie Lam- Michael Perrine. Yeah. 
And that's okay. exactly what that means. Um, and I think while we're on the topic of picking up uh, replacement tight ends, um, I replaced Waller. I picked up uh, Mike Gesicki from the uh, uh, Dolphins this week. Um, after their <laughs> dominant showing against the Niners last week, I thought, why the heck not? Mm-hmm. They're going up against the Jets this week. Anyone could have a tremendous offensive game against the Jets. So, And I think going back to receivers that you know you, you may be willing to take a chance on and definitely worthy of being signed off the waivers. Chase Claypool, four touchdowns last week, has been getting a bigger role each week that he's had some snaps. Um, you know, I'll let Casey disclose how much he, he spent in our fab um, system on, on our waivers for, for him to pick up this week. But, I mean, even on, you know, the fantasy football shows that you can listen to on the radio, they're suggesting 30, 40, 50% of your season budget to pick up Chase Claypool. And this is probably still going to be the biggest game of his season. But he's just going to come back to earth. And he, I mean, he obviously he has potential to drop 40 points in a week like he did this week. So um, you never know what you're going to get in that. He might be a diamond in the rough that could really help some people out. And if you have a dynasty league, please pick this man up. You know... The Steelers are going against the Browns this week. So I can see Ben Roethlisberger trying to hit the slot as much as he can. And I think that this kind of favors Claypool. I will admit that I may have spent 50 on Claypool. <laughs> you know, that's a third of his overall budget for the season, for those at home. Uh, in my defense, I have not spent a single dime on anything else. So I think that it is kind of justified, especially <laughs> after a 40-point performance. I can possibly see maybe 17-18 this coming week against the Browns. It, he's good. He has potential to fill in as a next as an extra Juju even. And his, you know, we started seeing Juju take steps back after step back uh, after being the number one. Right. And, we, I mean, it's not news. Juju wants out of Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin knows that. Big Ben knows that. Everybody knows that. They, I mean, they may have found Chase Claypool at the perfect time. You know, take a sixth-round pick and turn him into a, a you know Pro Bowl superstar um, like Antonio Brown used to be. So, um, going off that Big Ben, that Steelers offense is still the twenty-fourth-ranked offense. I don't know how that's possible. They don't have the run game. They're not scoring crazy amounts of points in a game. They're not doing great. The Eagles held in there all last week, though. They did. The Eagles was were pretty game. impressive after being. So bad for so long. <laughs> they had a possibility to win that game last week. They did. Uh, yeah. The Steelers just kind of came back and did what the Steelers do and steal games. Chase Claypool single-handedly. Yep. Um, I also do want to say this week, if you have Kirk Cousins, it may be a good week to start it, saying, seeing it if the game happens. Against Atlanta, a very hurt, very depleted Atlanta secondary, a very bad Atlanta defense in general, uh, and not having Dalvin Cook. I say that this would probably be a good week for Kirk Cousins and see what Kirk Cousins can actually do. Um, I think on the other side of that game, I think it would be a pretty safe bet to start Gurley. Um, I think he had a a good showing last week after they finally started giving him some touches. Um, So I think, uh, especially with the way Minnesota's defense has been getting up points these last few games, I think... uh, I think it would be a safe bet to start Gurley and get you some good points. Honestly, I would I would say start 
pretty much anybody you have on both of these teams, mm-hmm. assuming the game happens. You know, Adam Thielen is currently wide receiver three on the year. I expect him to get 100-plus yards and at least a touchdown this week from Kirk Cousins. Justin Jefferson's kind of been hit or miss, um, but he you know, he obviously has potential to blow up and have 100-plus yards. Um, again, it comes back to, to Kirk Cousins and how well he can you know, get into that Atlanta secondary. And then on that side of the ball, Matt Ryan has the weapons when they're healthy. And we, we still – I don't think we know if Julio's – planning on playing or not. I think he's still listed as questionable at the moment, along with Russell Gage, which leaves Calvin Ridley, assuming he can stay in for a full game. Hmm. Um, and if not, like like Chase said, it's all girly all day. Okay, one scenario. Say that game doesn't happen. Uh, for whatever reason, COVID hits players and that game doesn't happen this week. You need a replacement running back for Chris Carson. David Montgomery against the Panthers? Before we do that, we haven't talked about Delvin Cook, and we really should. (laughs) Don't start Delvin Cook. Matheson, though. Matheson is definitely a start, um, which is Delvin Cook's backup. He played out of his mind when he came in when Delvin Cook got hurt last week against Seahawks. Um, 100-plus yards, 20-some carries. Expected again on a terrible Atlanta defense. Don't start Delvin Cook. He hasn't practiced. They're going to keep him out because... It's against the Falcons. The Falcons, it doesn't really matter. They should beat the Falcons. And back to Chris Carson. Okay, so... Sorry. So, scenario. You need a running back. That game doesn't happen. COVID kind of strikes. NFL postpones the game. You need a running back. Is David Montgomery a good option to replace Chris Carson against a Carolina defense... That has not been good against the run all year. I'll pick a new Eng- one of the three New England backs before I do that. Honestly, David Montgomery, I just can't get behind him. I disagree with that. I think David Montgomery has like a top fifteen finish. I I'm trying to look at this as a unbiased. Be a biased player. What do you say if you're biased right now? If I'm biased, I say, "Oh, Montgomery, right away." Okay. Uh, because he wants his team to. Because I want my team to win. I exactly. want my team to be five and one. And his team's not going to win behind Trubisky or Foles. God no, not against Carolina. Somehow not they're four cons- and one. Mm-hmm. Not not with how consistent that Carolina offense has been. However, their run defense has not been great. They allow Gur- Gurley, who is splitting touches in Atlanta, get 123 yards or 120 plus yards on the ground. David Montgomery may have a horrible offensive line in front of him. However, it is Montgomery. He is pretty good at making people miss. Normally, he's only taken down by the third, fourth hit every time. I think that this may be a good week to consider David Montgomery, at least as a flex option. He can catch you the ball. He's probably going to catch a few checkdowns here and there because that's basically what the Bears' offense is, is either... Through throw checkdowns, go medium to Allen Robinson, or throw interceptions. That's pretty much what the Bears do. Maybe it's a good time not having Tariq Cohen. Um, I think, uh, like Brandon was talking about, I think taking Montgomery is a little bit of a gamble, but I think taking any of the New England running backs is also a little bit of a gamble. So I think I think any four of those options, I think 
you know, I, I think you have a pretty even Pick chance of, of booming or busting. Um, because, uh, like you said, I think he's got every opportunity to have a good game against the Panthers' run defense, but I don't think that means he will. Um, Miles Sanders or David Montgomery this week? Miles Sanders, the Eagles going against the Ravens. Montgomery. Mm-hmm. I would take Montgomery over that. The Ravens' run defense is looking stellar. Um, my Montgomery or Mike Davis against the Bears. Mike Davis. I would also take Davis. I would also take Montgomery. Davis. Mm. If the Bears tackle like they did Thursday <laughs> night, Mike Davis has the most broken tackles in the NFL this year, and he's only played four weeks, three weeks, if four the, weeks. Four if weeks. the Bears tackle like they did against the Buccaneers, Mike Davis could get over 200 yards on the ground. Yep. Mike Davis is a solid back. He has incredible size. He may not be the fastest player in the NFL, but darn it, he's going to plow through defenses. Devonta Freeman or David Montgomery? Freeman is on the Giants now against the Redskins. Uh, Washington football team. (laughs) Devonta Freeman. Montgomery. I'd have to take Montgomery. I think I would take Freeman. He's 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 been adding five or six touches a game since mm-hmm. they started playing him. He got seventeen attempts last week. Um, got in the end zone. The Giants were always a run first offense with Saquon, and now they might have somebody who can actually run the ball. However, I think they're going to take advantage. However, Washington's defense is significantly better against the run than Carolina's defense. I just That's think matchup-wise, I think it kind of favors Montgomery just because of how weak the run defense is for Carolina. All right. Well, we're on this Carolina-Bears game. I want to know, are the Bears legit enough? Because I'm thinking they're almost a top-10 team right now. And that's hard for me to say as a Packers fan. Mm-hmm. And they are 4-1 and one right now. Is Carolina going to show them up? Are they going to do the unthinkable and stop this Bears run? If you'd asked me this game about this game a few weeks ago, before, I would, before I would, they beat the Bucks, yeah, I, I would before I would last say, week, yeah, I would I would say well, even before they got beat by the Colts, I would say I would say the the Bears have every opportunity to win this game. It doesn't mean they will. Um, I think a few weeks ago, the Bears losing to the Colts seemed like a statement, like oh, the Bears got exposed. Then I think that comeback win against the Buccaneers and. The Colts losing to who? Who the Colts lose to? Browns. The Browns. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Browns and the I, Jaguars. I, which one? <laughs> I, 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 think, I think that shows that it's just that's just kind of you know competition. You know, I, I think the Bears are deserving of a the five one record that they're at right now, especially the way they played against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers last week. Um, but I think the Panthers have also been playing some solid football, and I think this is definitely a game that could go either way. I want to. I just want to point out the arguments that people have been saying about the Bears' record. So, oh yeah, they're five and one, but who do they beat? Or they're four, four, and, one, four and one, potentially five and one, but who they beat? They beat the Lions, the yikes. Giants, yikes. the Falcons. Oh yikes. my! You know, Injury and the Bucks. Bucks. And the the, bu- the Bucks is their only statement win. And they and the defense dominated Tom Brady in that offensive line. However, can you flip the script and turn it against Carolina? Who'd they beat? Atlanta, you know, Arizona. Arizona. 
they lost to the char. No, they beat the Chargers. Aren't they two and? Three? They beat the Chargers. Panthers are three and two. They beat the Who's Chargers, the, the Falcons, and the Cardinals. And the Cardinals. They lost to the Buccaneers and by four points to the Raiders in Week One. Those are those are not bad losses. No, especially they lost to team. a Week Two Bucks. But they've also beat teams that have been hit or miss. That's true. So. If you're saying that Bears are not deserving of their record, you could also argue that the Panthers aren't deserving of their record as well. However, I will not say that because the <laughs> Panthers' offense has been consistent. Teddy B has looked like he did in his young five days, games. in the young days of him being in Minnesota, the five-game stretch in New Orleans. I think that both teams are kind of deserving of being... At least top 15 teams. And that's without Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. We just they, act like he doesn't exist they, right they, now. The Panthers don't even need to rush him back from his injury. Because they're winning without him. With Mike Davis leading the charge with Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. I think that the, I think both teams are... This might good. be a game of the week. It could be. It could be a slow grind fest. But it could also just be a complete blowout yeah. because <laughs> Carolina's offense can be explosive. Yeah. So this is either going to be a complete blowout in the in terms of Carolina just putting up a ton of points, or this is going to be a slow burn game of the week caliber Bears win because that's what the Bears do. You get to the red zone, the Bears are number one red zone defense right now. I mean, you want to say game of the week, and I would agree on most weeks, but right now. And as much as it's also a toss-up, you have a somewhat injured, injured uh, Packers versus the very injured Buccaneers. That's valid. Hall of Famer versus Hall of Famer. Um, you know, both teams, when healthy, have plenty of weapons to put up 50 points. Um, you know, the Packers started the season with, what, three 35-plus point games or something like mm-hmm. that. Um and the Bucks week one lost. Um, since then, you know, they've kind of turned it around until this, this loss to the Bears again here in week five. But Tom Brady doesn't look like goaded Tom Brady should look at this time. You know, he doesn't look like he's, you know, fully confident in the injury-prone weapons that he has, and he doesn't look like he used to look when he was in the New England in the pocket. Um, and so... I think the Packers win this one. Hey, there we go. Go Pack Go. The Packers have not scored less than 30 points in a game this season. I don't think that that's going to be another case. I think that this is going to be a 40-point performance by Aaron Rodgers' offense. Because, and I will say this, Aaron Rodgers led offense with a returning Devontae Adams and a healthy Aaron Jones will outscore Tom Brady... And a salute. Heartbeat. <laughs> the Bucks defense allowed Nick Foles to throw two touchdowns very quickly. Well, not throw two touchdowns, but throw a touchdown to Jimmy Graham pretty easily. I and you know the Buccaneers aren't playing Chicago again. This is a high this is a much better offense. Yeah. On the reverse side. It is Tom, Tom Brady. Tom, however, Tom Brady is going against a much better defense, oh, much absolutely. better secondary. Absolutely. They have uh, 
Kevin um, King's questionable right now. But they still have a much... They have a very consistent pass rush. They have pretty solid coverage in the secondary. I don't think this is even going to be remotely close. It could be because, you know, Tom Brady, who wants to count on Tom Brady, but I don't think this is going to be close. As much as I jump on the Packers, Aaron Rodgers is scoring at least 32 fantasy points a game right now. He's the sixth best overall fantasy quarterback right now. And he's playing like the goaded kind of Aaron Rodgers that we expect. That Super Bowl run with Jordy Nelson. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree that the Packers would take this one. And I'm not trying to to repeat things you guys have said, but um, I think uh, Rodgers and Jones, Rodgers is consistently just performing at a top level every week this season. And Jones has proven on multiple occasions that he can be absolutely explosive in games. And I don't think the Buccaneers' defense has any real answer for a real offense. After... After the performance against the Tennessee Titans on Tuesday, is it time to start being a little bit weary of Josh Allen as a potential starter for a quarterback? Or would you move straight up? If you're in my position and you're having to choose every week between Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen, is it time to start focusing mostly on Aaron Rodgers as your starting fantasy quarterback? I would 100% make a trade to deal Josh Allen to somebody else. It's a perfect time. Aaron Rodgers is being consistent as of now. And Josh Allen is right now worth a lot. So so think about it from somebody that you're potentially trading to here in fantasy. You have Aaron Rodgers. Quarterback is not an issue for you. He's passed his by. You're probably starting him. If you have anybody else as your backup besides Josh Allen, you're probably not going to start them over Aaron Rodgers anyways. From somebody else looking in at your team, wanting Josh Allen, they may think you're giving up on him too or too early. He had a down game, you know. I don't even know how many points he ended up with this week against the Titans, but it wasn't what we expect. Maybe twenty. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it was low. It was. I mean, they was only 18. they only they only put up sixteen points or something like that. So it may seem like you know you're moving on from Josh Allen after one bad game on the season. But what it really comes down to is you're moving on from him for other reasons, and you can't give up on him fantasy-wise based on one game. Sell high, because even after one game, there's no reason to sell low on him. Somebody should still be giving you wide receiver one for him, probably. Maybe not RB one, but definitely a wide receiver one. Um, in return for Josh Allen, who's, I think, currently third QB on the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... And one thing I want to point out by Aaron Rodgers, just to kind of defend that point a little bit more. Who does he have left to play? The Buccaneers were supposed to be a scary game. Hypothetically, not going to be that scary of a game right now. Uh, then they play the Texans, Vikings, 49ers, not looking really scary right now. That was supposed to be a scary game. Jags, the Colts, going to be... a could be a scary game. Uh, then you have the Bears, Eagles, Lions, Panthers, and then the Titans. So there's two more possible games that are scary. But if Aaron Rodgers plays like Aaron Rodgers, then it won't be an issue for you. Okay, so one last kind of topic before we kind of wrap everything up here. Who, as of right now, five five weeks into the regular season, who is your fantasy football MVP at this current moment? Russ. Russ. I would have to. I have to agree. 
right, who is your fantasy football runner-up? Because that was too easy. Dang. Yeah, yeah, Run, runner-up or bust. Oh, yeah. Or fantasy bust of the year. Let's do both. I want to hear both. I think fantasy runner-up through five weeks, Josh Allen. Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen has put up, up until like last week, 30, 35 points consistently weekly. I'd say he's pretty close to being a runner-up and fantasy MVP for me. He had one bad performance. Otherwise, he's been pretty solid. Year, week after week, he's been putting two, three, four touchdowns on, on board. You know, total touchdowns every week. And he is a scrambling quarterback as well, so he also gets you points on the ground as well. Um, I would have to agree. I think my runner-up would be um, Mahomes, actually. But I'm, I've already talked a lot about him, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk anymore about that. I'll talk about one uh, bust that I had personally this year that I I, I just dropped uh, was AJ Green. Um, and I came into the season with all sorts of hopes that you know Burrow, Mixon, Green that would kind of revitalize the Bengals. They'd all be producing something, and um, then Green. Uh, week after week netted me essentially nothing. Um, and so just this last week I, I dropped him um, because I, I, I just, I, I'm not going to deal with that anymore. I think he's been a huge bust on this season as a whole. Um, I think my runner up for MVP right now is going to have to be Alvin Kamara. Um, he's currently RB1. He has more, he's put up more fantasy points in our PPR league. He's put up more fantasy points than Rodgers has. Um, which is tough to do as a running back as it is. You know, he's had plenty of plenty of huge, huge games, huge plays in games that have won his team, the Saints, their their games. He he hasn't even put up hundred rushing yards on the year yet. Um, in a single game as high as eighty three yards. Um, he's put up four rushing touchdowns. Where he really gets you is his passing along his receptions alongside his rushing. Um, he's had one 139-yard game against the Packers and one 95-yard um, game against the Ra- uh, Raiders. And most games, he's you know he's eyeing eight, nine, ten targets a game out of the backfield, along with you know ten or twelve, sometimes close to twenty rushing attempts for Drew Brees. So this may change a little bit as the season progresses, and if Michael Thomas does come back to his full potential, I don't. I don't expect him to see 10 targets a game through the whole season. But right now, like I said, RB1, more points scored than Aaron Rodgers, that's just, I mean, you can't get much better than that. That's what we expected Christian McCaffrey to do. And he was in MVP talks through the end of the season last year, and he didn't get it. And I'm going to go, I'm going to have kind of two here. Um, As a wide receiver, you're going to have DeAndre Hopkins. That's going to be my runner-up if you're going to be picking a wide receiver in that position. Obviously, Mahomes is going to score more, Kamara, things like that. But Hopkins has definitely put up at least 20 points a game, I believe. He had one down week. But otherwise, he's put over 20 points a game in. And as coming out of a wide receiver in a PPR league, that's all you can really ask for. Um, and someone that I want to talk about, just we've talked about him plenty, Dak Prescott. He was third-ranked quarterback in points put up, and he was – putting up lights-out shows um, before the untimely inter- injury. So he will not get fantasy MVP at the end of the season, but up until that point, he was in that contention. 
I'll just kind of end off by saying one fantasy disappointment, maybe not bust, but just fantasy disappointment, Zeke, through five weeks. Uh, he's been putting up a decent amount of points, but he's not been getting nearly as good stats as he should have been. He should be getting a lot more points than what he actually is. But, uh, I don't know. I'd say it's a little bit of a disappointment. I don't know if, you know, just going into leagues with high expectations or... I think it's got to be a little bit of that. But also, I I feel like the Cowboys have almost limited his opportunities. I'm looking at his stats here. I mean, he's had two games out of five that he's had 20 attempts. But he was getting 20 attempts every game last year. Um you know, he's put up 27, 22, 17, 20, 23 points, which is great. He's currently RB3 on the year, but we're talking about this being almost a disappointing outcome for him because he's just not he, – he hasn't broken 100 yards on the season yet either. You know, I mean, that's what we expect of these RB1s. Kamara hasn't done it. Cook has done it, and he's RB2. But we expect – a run first offense from these running backs and a lot of them are turning to you know the reception game to get a majority of their points which is kind of concerning yeah and the fact that a running back of the caliber of Zeke does not have 100 yards yet however there are plenty of running backs with almost four almost 400 rushing yards Dalvin Cook being the only one above 400 it it's kind of disappointing because, you know, we were talking about it last year, year before, that Dalvin Cook and Zeke are running backs one and two moving forward. Like, Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, Zeke are top three running backs in the NFL. And now we see him being maybe running back six, seven in the league. It's a disappointing year for sure. Uh, I guess somebody I'm disappointed in, Josh Jacobs, still. I mean, he had that one, his, his good week last week, but obviously he had 34 yards through two, the first two quarters of that game, and he's still not impressing me, and I don't think that's going to be something that I want to come on. But also, uh, Sterling Shepard, even before he got injured, was not putting up anything like he's the wide receiver one for the Giants. And as much as it's on Daniel Jones, it's also on Sterling Shepard. I think my bust so far um, is going to have to be um, Julian Edelman. Um, you know, coming into the your fantasy draft, he was the only, you know, non-running back that was going to get receptions and targets. Um, the, <laughs> they had nobody else, essentially. Um, the, the Patriots went and signed Cam. That adds a little bit more of a, a running attack for them that they didn't have with Tom Brady. But Julian Edelman is currently sitting at wide receiver 38, and he also has only had one game over 100 yards receiving. We were used to him getting 100 yards on eight or nine receptions every week with Tom Brady for four or five, six years. Um, And honestly, the chemistry was there, and it built over time, and Cam doesn't have that chemistry with him yet. But he he hasn't been targeted more than six times in a week. Um, And... They had a bye last week and all that. They're playing the Broncos this week. So we'll see how, how he bounces back. But I think depending on where he was drafted, um, Edelman could, could definitely be seen as a bust in some, some leagues. Well, I guess that's all we have. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter now at the Fantasy Draft. That's 
with a capital T, F-N-D. Make sure that you follow us there. Uh, make sure you send us your fantasy questions, any of your thoughts on the season, anything like that. We'd love to interact with you guys. Listen on Spotify. You can go straight to it from our Facebook page and from our Twitter um, so check us out every week. We'll get it up before Sunday so you know what you're doing. Yeah, hit that like button. Thank you very much and good night.